you introduce this one? Ah, I can do. Yeah. Went. I'm just wondering who's the judge for Just asking. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> do you want me to introduce this one? Oh no, no. I'll. Oh, I'll give it a go. So it's fine. Okay. Hello and welcome to the DMs Book Club, a book club podcast where we. No, that's not how it goes at all. It's not a book club podcast. No. What am I talking about? God. <laughs> God, I'm just, I'm just, uh, this is already gone. This is it. I'm all right. Let me, hang on. Recording. Restarted. Okay. Sure, you don't need to do this one. (laughs) No. Uh, Okay. Hello, and welcome to the DMs Book Club, a DD podcast. Wait, no, it is a book club podcast. Is it? Welcome to the DMs Book Club, a podcast. It's just a podcast. Oh, it's It's just a podcast. There's there's nothing else to it. A podcast because you've already said book clubs, so you don't want to repeat that. Oh and man, not a D&D It's a podcast where we talk about, about Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. And Dragons. Okay, and okay. How we can fit it in our role play. See, you now you now know it off by heart. I know you like I've stolen the power, and you wow. now have, like power from you. All right, I'm gonna have, you, I'm gonna have one more run up at it, and if I can't okay. do it, I'm just gonna hand over the reins to you because it makes it easier. Go on. So. Okay. Hello. Oh no. Sorry. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the DM's Book Club, a podcast where we talk about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it into our role-playing campaigns. First try. Of course it's gonna go in. My name is Fiona, and with me as always is my erstwhile tip-top happy happy co-host. Oh, am I? <laughs> Hamilton. Hello, Hamilton. Hello, Fiona. How are you? Better for seeing you. We had a little, little bit of a blah off air about various work things and tech yeah. stuff. But yeah, all's, well, all's well for seeing you. How about yourself? Yeah, good. Yeah. I had my little work round yesterday with you, so it's fine. We've done it. We've done it, haven't we? We've got that out of the way. It's, it's private. It's off recording. We don't have to talk about anyone. And then we also spoke all about this book yesterday, <laughs> like we always do. We always do. But I think it's good because then we can get, well, I know because I get very excited about stuff. But yeah, let's start straight into it. What is our topic today? What are we discussing on DM's Book Club? Well, our topic of choice today is, I think, inspired by our conversation the other week of Cursed Strahd with the Wabulous. I was saying the wonderful and fabulous at the same time as I went Wabulous. Wabulous. The Wabulous. (laughs) Wabulous. The fabulous and wonderful Travis Sengroff. So we decided to talk about my favourite published adventure, which is Horse Deep Dragon Heist. So I got oh, the book pictures. out and everything. Yeah, I got I got the book out because I I liked looking at it. It's an audio podcast, so no one can see it. <laughs> no one can see it. But yes, I had never uh, really read Dragon Heist. As always, have the book, never played it. And you'd always talked about how much you enjoyed it. You've always referred back to it when we did like the Golden Vault and the Keys stuff and heists in general. And I was like, all right, fine. Proof in the fact that it takes how much convincing it takes for Fiona to trust my opinion yeah <laughs> it's true not, Hamilton says this is great I must read it it's Hamilton said it's great 150 times okay yes. now I'll try I mean I'm the same with everything I'm very much like I was the, possibly the last person on earth to watch Firefly and go actually it is all right <laughs> I get the hype have you not seen it no I haven't oh great <laughs> it's good um but yeah I sat down I read it and I was like holy shit Hamilton was right who knew <laughs> it's a really good adventure I as you have sort of said to me, it's you know it's called Dragon Heist. It's not a heist at all. It is just this incredible adventure for levels one to five in Waterdeep. 
there is so much stuff and there's like 248 pages of content yeah and it's just yeah it's incredible i had never considered it because yeah it's you know it starts off you you're in water deep you get a place to stay and then something happens and then you have to work your way out through you know depending on which villain you've picked and then it's all interchangeable all customizable as a module and i hadn't actually considered that i knew about the basic sort of outline of it but yeah really really was surprised by it yeah it is absolutely fabulous for lots of reasons because as you said you picked up on the key points of it firstly it's not a heist <laughs> which actually disappoints a lot of people in comments i've read a lot of people are like oh it's not a heist and it's like well actually it's better than a heist so don't yeah. worry about it secondly yeah the replayability is definitely there because of these numbers of villains but also the fact that you can do what i did or you could do it in multiple ways of just like adding all of these factions in you can have one of those really pol- you mentioned it as well yesterday when we were chatting about how much of a political game it can be. Nothing else really gets us into the factions in this 5e, really. Like, we we talked about the Sword Coast Adventures Guide a lot about how we're disappointed by it, and I think more than anything. Uh, you, again, also, I'm picking up things you mentioned, yesterday, but it's similar things. It's like, it really gets you into the lore of Waterdeep and the Forgotten Realms in a, in a very small way. Mm. Uh, gets you integrated with some really key players like Xanathar, Manshun and the Zentarium, mm-hmm. John Alaxel, really famous character that comes from the Driz novels and is also in the Acquisitions Incorporated games, I think. Mm, I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Castellanters, who are not really as well known, but you interact oh. therefore through them with Asmodeus and Cultis, as well as Never Ember, who's like very famous characters and, and beyond and beyond and beyond. And it's so, it's a really great way of like, it's like a whistle stop tour of some of the good and great of the Forgotten Realms hmm. and you get to have a lot of fun with them. I think, you know, it's very much, I think it's the one out of all of them that I've read that literally, I think, portrays what people who go for the sort of rule of cool style game, mm-hmm. it's sort of delivered to in that sense. I don't know if you agree with that, but it yeah. feels like that's how it's, this is about fun and doing everything as, as much as cool as possible and really enjoy yourself and push yourself as far as you want or not really was this like your first published adventure that you'd ran or like mm-hmm. a bit a part of yeah so as a dm so this is the thing i think my initial criticism of it is that there is so much in it like it doesn't look like it but there's i think it's got so much more content than any other adventure that i have read mm. so as a result there's a whole parade of characters you know you've got all the different like you said the big overarching four sort of villains and then you have all these factions and stuff which i find really interesting now that i know a little bit more about them but it might be a bit daunting for somebody that is brand new to D and to D lore and stuff so that was my first thing going oh god there's so much bit to read about it but as i was reading it first of all it is written brilliantly i think mm-hmm. james Hay and uh james oh, what was it what's their last name again intracasso intracasso they have written it along with the other sort of team writers as well it feels very easy to read easy to pick up like you can scan a page and go oh that was an interesting but what's that and reread it and all of it has been created in mind that no matter what villain you pick at the end or even if you switch halfway through or use all of them you can easily put things together it's a really well designed thing like you know if you do this encounter here's the one that follows it if you're choosing this villain at the start yeah i love that it feels one of the most customizable and easy thing to do that you yourself as a dm don't have to add lots of things to it whereas you might do with other adventures jumping off that i think it's ridiculously intelligent and efficient in and i, I sort of like i really love that 
and you, know, you always talk about in architecture like when you're doing like scheduling and stuff like that and detailing and stuff it's all about like highest common denominators do you know what i mean like you want to explain as much information as possible with as little amount of drawing as possible to be efficient so you want to cover as much as you can uh, with as little as you can to, to limit you know confusion in that sense but in this sense i find like they've got i can't remember exactly the number of i think it's 10 encounters in that encounter tree mm. but they've given you four different complete scenarios that utilize these 10 different encounters in very intricate and different ways for each one that relate back to a wider story mm. but i think that's like you can imagine wizards or any company to a certain extent is trying to make a book say like they probably wanted to expand the scope but they've expanded the scope by using 10 maps you know, yep. instead of doing 40 maps, you've got 10 maps as a DM to peruse. And obviously you can then choose the one of the four that you want to run. I love the ingenuity throughout this book. Like the other the other additional things of like the hideouts. You've got a hideout for each, but they never it never says when you go there. No. It never says how you get there. Yeah. You just if you need it, here it is. And here's yeah. some amazingly cool things in each one. Yeah, we did ran the Xanathar's one once. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the Castlanters. So the two we infiltrated, the others we went to as frenemies, real friends. <laughs> <laughs> In both of them, there was multiple ways through, multiple interactions you could have roleplay wise, investigation wise, secret passageway wise, you know, different information you might have had outside of space or inside the space that can get you from the entrance, of which there are multiple, to whatever your source of interest is depending on who you are as a dm mm -hmm. little different ways that those people can interact with you like I, I just love it for all those things i just think it's kind of incredibly designed and i really respect both of those designers because of this i don't think there's been a book with that level of game modification modification in it yeah modification yeah of the game in it to me personally oh now i can't remember there's there was a tv show on netflix that was out recently which was kaleidoscope just watched it have you is it good yeah okay it's the first episode that i got was amazing second one was really good but the one that you have to have at the end is the actual heist which is mm. in the middle of the timeline and i was like well there's got to be a massive twist it's got to be because why would you make the middle of the story the end but by the end spoiler alert you know everything that's happened yeah and there's one twist which you're like well that was obvious like that was <laughs> you got that like literally kind of was like well, yeah, because how else would they be the only one that's still around, happy and doing well? Because they're the ones that did the that got the money. Do you know what I mean? So is the highest episode always the one at the end? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so oh. You always get the same ending, which is the when you're actually during the highest. And it's kind of like Bill is like, you'll find out actually how they did it. And there's a few things that they don't explain, but you're like, it's not really a big reveal. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit obvious. And why did they use bees? Well, for that. Okay, cool. That's not amazing yeah yeah it was really disappointing again but really good character studies mm. really interesting storyline just i'd actually would have preferred it in the timeline and i think it would have been better. fair enough or or only randomize it before the heist then have the heist and randomize the end you know what right. I mean? or, yes yeah 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 so yeah no no so that's what it reminded yeah. me of about the way it structures it so yeah. in case you haven't heard it obviously kaleidoscope is this new netflix series that's been out for a couple of months but essentially for every single user or uh, you have an account if you go to it, it will be a different order no matter what, except the last episode is the heist one, which is, yeah. it, that's just what it felt like with this sort of structure looking at this Dragon Heist book as well. So going on then to, I guess, the overall view of it. So there's, I think in total, sort of eight chapters, maybe nine chapters, I think. Eight chapters plus the Enviridian. Yes, even I didn't say that word out loud. But yes, there's sort of the primer that they've created. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so you've got the first sort of initial four chapters sets up 
basically the adventure and then the final four, one for each layer of the villain, like usually mentioned. And then this final chapter, which is basically a primer, which I've spoken to other people about this and they said that they either printed it out or had it as a PDF to send to their players as almost like a Lonely Planet guide because it is basically yeah. uh, Volo doing a little guide to Waterdeep. And I must say, it's the most interesting guide. I actually was really excited to read about taxes. And yeah. I tried to read about punishments. So like, it felt really welcoming. You got the character of Volo coming throughout, obviously. And it wasn't interrupted. Sometimes with these with these books, you have somebody else interrupting with like the real voice or the... like. Uh, yeah, uh, here's the champ. Usually it's like Elementor, I think, with Volo. Yeah. It's like, can we go in? Well, actually... Very much felt like, um, I know it's a Harry Potter reference, but uh, like a Gilderoy Lockhart uh, describing yeah. like, you know, and I just like that. It was just, it just read really well, but succinct. It gave you all the information you would need as a character coming into Waterdeep if this was your first time in Waterdeep. It's probably worth then outlining what the structure of the, the story and the sort of overarching things. You've sort of mentioned it in roundabout terms, I guess. Mm-hmm. So Lord Neverember, one of the high lords of Waterdeep. The open lord. Open Lord of Waterdeep, exactly. Mm. There's Secret Lords of Waterdeep. Again, there's 12. I'm trying to remember yeah. off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. He had been embezzling money from the city. So much money from the city. Exactly. A lot of money. Half a million doubloons. No, um, dragons. Dragons. That's why it's called Dragon Heist, because it's there's, there's, well, there's multiple levels to that Dragon Heist, but mm. it's because the dragons is the terminology for coinage in Forgotten Realms. He's hidden that away somewhere in Waterdeep. And the only way to get in is to find this thing called the Stone of Galore, which is an Aboleth, which believes it's an elder god, <laughs> which is a fantastic thing to roleplay when you talk to it. Because every time you interact with it, it believes it's some sort of divine being, even though it's just like an Aboleth that's lost part of its mm. like body being like stored in, in this sort of stone-like shape. And everyone is trying to find this object. And mm. each individual of these four villains has a different reason for wanting to gain a hold of this mummy. I'll start with Jalaxel. Jalaxel wants the Stone of Galore and to get the dragon to make Luskin a part of the Lord's Alliance. And he can buy himself into that, like, lordship, sort of recognizing Luskin and the Bregan Darth, which is his crew of all male drow, which is sort of an anti establishment rebellion against the matriarchy of the drow. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go too deep into the whole history and lore around that, but that is the story of that. And then the Castellanters have made a deal with Asmodeus, which is that their children's souls are going to basically be taken by Asmodeus. So that's their one. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. So bloody brutal. <laughs> and then you've got Xanathar, who wants it because he wants it, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And Manshun, who is the Zentarim, wants it because they are a simulacrum of the real Manshun and they're trying to get the money. I forget the reason. What was the reason for it again? I, did he want, want to bribe people oh he just wanted to bribe people with it that was it he just wants to get back into the top of the the chain again i think that was it mm-hmm. there's also other things in that vault of use to people there is something very cool that they're called the staff of a Geron, yeah which is a very cool thing spoiler alert for everyone which is the staff which stops any dragon from being able to enter Waterdeep. no mm. dragon can enter Waterdeep. that's why it's always protected from like any dragon invasion or like in all of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, Waterdeep is a safe haven because they have this warning sigil. But, and I think something that I put in, if you are going to run either of those games, you could add a third or a fifth faction, which is the Cult of Dragons, mm. if you wanted to, who want to also get in there, which is what I did in my game, because that's what I was planning to do, trying to get in there to get the Staff of Ageron, because then they can allow Tiamat to enter the city. Ah. Because you, when you have it, you can command any to come in if you want to, if you own the Staff, and you can remove the, the curse. 
Anyway, that was a brief <laughs> introduction to the game. Anyway, so, I, so I, I thought I'd explain that was the thing. And you can then choose one of those factions to either fight against, be a part of, or you can be like a harper or uh, the golden hand or the flaming fists or whatever they're called. Uh, Lord's Alliance, uh, gre- Force Grey, uh, yeah. the Grey Hands. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Emerald Enclave even gets a look in as well, so, yeah. uh, which is good. So yeah, so not only do you have these bigger villains mm. that you could be a part of, but you could also be a part of a smaller guild as well and that's another point as well so you not only do you have factions that you could be a part of but there's also when you start off as well and then eventually get to uh, where you establish your base which we'll get to in a second i know waterdeep scott a fuck ton of guilds yeah it really does which is very interesting but my yeah. god if you've got a party of four to five people and they all have individual factions or individual uh, guilds that they're a part of all that sort of thing it can be a lot of admin to keep track of uh, so maybe simplifying it down, perhaps. But I, I was actually quite interested in like, like the big long list in that primer that was done by mm. Bolas of like, and it was like like the wondrous and glorious of the the tinkerers or something like that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Was, are you like, oh, someone really thinks highly of themselves rather than the guild yeah. of you know? And there's the sort of yeah, guild of sorcerers, arcane magic people. I can't remember what it's called as well. It's got like a similarly fanciful name. Mm. And with that, as we're talking about admin, you not only get that admin but also the factions give you very platingscapey like abilities to get some xp you mm. get different favors you get a contact for each of these that becomes your sort of uh, go-to person the person that might introduce you to the campaign and then with that you gain particular favors from them or they might come along with you as an npc the other book i wanted to bring up whilst we're here was the one that i recommended to you to get and i think you've read it as well which is the i have yeah forgotten tales which is written by Will Doyle with James Haig and James Intricatasso. So the actual original writers of it have written this for the DMs Guild. I don't know how they did it, if they did it under the same, if it's actually done by d d It's a very confusing, it's got the DMs Guild on it and all the writing looks like the right font, but it's, um, I think it's their own thing. I think it is their own thing. I suspect that this is stuff they just couldn't get into the book. Yeah. And because essentially it's, it's a fantastic, I absolutely highly recommend checking yeah. it out. If you've run Dragon Heist, and uh, we're like, oh, I'm not so sure about the beginning, or oh, I wish the bank vault was above ground. Well, these literally 30 pages just give you a, a different beginning, a different way you get a troll school manor, a different alternative way to do the fireball encounter, which again, I know we'll talk about in a second, and then the different vaults and stuff. Basically, the introduction in Dragon Heist itself focuses very much on the struggle, the power struggle between the Xanathar and the Zentarim. Whilst the Castellantis and Jalaxel, they play parts in it, but they don't have as much of an influence in that initial beginning bit, which is fine because, you know, maybe people will have heard of Zantarum or Xanathar a bit more, perhaps, and maybe that's what you're going to gear to. But if you wanted to be like, the villain is definitely going to be the Castellantis or is definitely going to be Jalaxel, you might want to have a bit more time to that at the beginning. Mm. So that first chapter in the Forgotten Tales Dragon Heist, it talks about this sort of idea of, uh, yeah, the cult of, of Modius, about dealing with one of the early on uh, main NPCs, which is uh, Rainer Neverember. Is that is... Yeah, he's the son of Lord Neverember. Who has nothing to do with anything. And I'm like, ah, oh, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he gets almost kidnapped uh, and you go to the Hand of the Nexus, which, again, something I had heard of and I hadn't really processed until I read uh, Waterdeep is that it's full of these, what used to be walking uh, living statues, mm. which are just smoking everywhere which is also yeah. i love it how it says don't be worried about them they've not woken up for at least a decade and you're like well now i'm going to constantly think about it but also the black staff can wake them up at any time to protect water teeth 
which is Badra Safar or Safra. I forget. I'm terrible with the names, but Badra Safar. Uh, so you can control them with the staff, the black staff. The black itself. staff, which yeah. has got Kelben, Kelben's soul inside it, which is, is that right? Wait, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate. So there's a lot in this book. I also wish there was, yeah. yet again, a pronunciation guide because there's a lot of NPCs. Yeah. But yeah, this uh, Forgotten Tales one, this idea that, you know, you could end up on top of this walking, uh, this, uh, this, so cool. the statue with the hand map and all that sort of thing, defeating this cult briefly. It's a really great map. It's such a good map. And it was interesting because it talked about like if you are rerunning Dragon Heist and you want to rerun it differently, here's stuff you could do. And that's for the thing. I've never really considered rerunning adventures before. Like The one I know most people have played is Curse of Strahd. But yeah. I wouldn't know anyone that would replay Curse of Strahd because there's only so much you could do. Like There's definitely set pieces, but the clues remain the same. The, the only thing that changes is like where the three important items are. Uh, and the order you find them, perhaps. And that's mm. kind of it. Whereas here, I can even see with the original Dragon Heist that you don't you don't need to move on too much. You just change the villain and change the season, as it were. But here, you're like, yeah. well, what if those first two chapters, they're not, go find my missing friend. And, oh, it turns out, mistaken identity. They've been captured. And then bust them out. And, yeah. thank you, here's a tavern for you to run. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah. little bit different. And, yeah, I just thought both of these openings, as it were, very good because I know one of the early criticisms was that it does feel very railroady. But mm. to be honest, I don't mind. I don't mind that. Yeah, you kind of need that for a setup. Like you could always just start. You already have the manor and go from there if you want. But mm. I quite like it if you're st- if you're just starting out and you're playing D and D for the first time. I think it's quite nice to have this sort of railroady element. But certainly for yeah. a, a, a city adventure, I used to start in the main bit, which is where you allow the tavern brawl to happen. Mm. And that uses the Xanathar and the Zentarim to have a fight. My, my crew had joined the Xanathar. I think I would have changed it to your antagonist guild and whoever your guild is. Or if mm. you're going to use and all of them, just one and one, and your whoever your group is, have a tavern brawl. I think it's a really, it's a really great way of giving you a very roleplay, straight up, simple combat, just fists. Get everyone rolling some dice straight out of the game. Mm. Have a little bit of roleplay beforehand like get your drink sit down play the scene start interacting with your contact and then have like the very crap gangs in like um well west, uh, side, west story. side story yeah exactly <laughs> you're just looking at the camera and i was like what are you doing yeah you know what i meant <laughs> thought you get me and then and do that and then you've got that instant very cinematic way of explaining here are your antagonists not like oh they're the bad guys don't like them it's actually like an actual fight that you get involved in mm-hmm. and as level one characters it's very simple that you can be a part of that if it's just fists and sort of thing brings you into the game and then i would recommend the one in the book up on tales because it gives you a nice interaction with like an alternate gang who's trying to also capture someone at the same time so you've got this like cat and mouse they disappear you can run after them you can run after yes. the person they get taken away by devils, fine devils, to a tower, which is cool. Bonkers. You see a, a big hand-holding orb object statue that you're going to climb up. Love it. You know, like, really good fun. And it also even says in that Forgotten Tales stuff that the Troll School Manor doesn't have to be back down. It could just be in that list of the little yeah. shops next to the hand yeah. where you've just been to. So mm. you could stay there, which I thought was really cool. And then you yeah. just transpose those NPCs that are around there in the original book to that place and just go from yeah. there. So there's lots of lots of helpful handy tips. So you were saying that you use Xanathar for your main campaign as the sort of main I use Castellantis and Xanathar as the key antagonist, but everyone was after it. 
why did you pick those two out? Was there was there a particular reason, or were you just like, oh fuck it, just try these two? These are a good combination. Yeah. If you sort of, I felt the Castellanters were the most evil baseline evil. I think Xanathar is a fun, deadly foe to have. I think you know, a Beholder is good fun. I think they're mm. a famous enough character that I thought I'd be good to have a famous character. My characters in this were playing neutral evil characters mm. so they were neutral or evil so they were like true neutral there was there was two one neutral two neutrals and two neutral evils and one became lawful evil right. after making a deal with asmodeus as happens a lot in my game uh-huh. and, uh, i don't know why it's, hmm, what's going on there <laughs> processing things no i don't know they just keep doing it uh, uh but um so does that then they i gave them the choice of who do you want to join as the crew and they like the idea of presentarum because they just fit that sort of like they're just evil for the sake of evil and they're very pg-13 evil like all these people are evil because they're just greedy right so Mm. all my crew were just like super greedy out for themselves they were either like they weren't there to do any good like that's Mm. the point they were literally like we want to be famous and we want to make money. And that's how they want to play the characters. Classic. Which is kind of like, great. I kind of loved it. It was really good fun. And the thing is, as everyone who tries to play evil, like they do in that Dimension 20, they all become lovely. <laughs> and they look after the orphans and they save them from the building. Oh. And they, you know, and they like give money to all the people that need them. And they fall in love with the lift character that I made, which was the goblin. And, they, you know, so... They actually aren't evil. They're just... A bit edgy. Yeah, just a bit edgy. A bit dark, it. yeah, yeah. But that's why we chose that sort of goth lords of Centaurum. And mm. then Jarlaxle, I wanted to have as a... I let them do what they wanted, but I felt like he's such a character that mm. I think he would court anyone who was trying... He would play the diplomacy card before the fighting yes. card and, and he always does that sort of study of people he always he's interested so he'll go and be a different character as a player to just really suss out what's going on so definitely would never resort to violence straight away for sure exactly. because they, yeah because they're always in disguise that's mm. the thing he's he wears a hat of disguise but also like when they're on their on the ships of the drow there there's a constant uh, magical effect that makes um everyone just appear human so they don't because they they want to stand out i think it's kind of like there's a lot more to go into that. So mm. there's definitely this whole like subterfuge and trying to keep it. So I think they would never go full out attack. And I think mm. they're a great character, fun to play. As 100%. in like, they're such a, you know, the way other people have characterized them, I think is what sort of brought them to life. But that's why I like to do that. So then that's how I, that's how I ran it really. I think the Castellanters are just evil. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Really evil. So somebody who didn't really know much other than like, oh yeah, I know Xanathar, I've heard of Manchu. Mm. I just was like, my God, why is nobody talking about the Castellanters more? And about how tragic their story yeah. is, and but how evil it is as well, because they have this whole thing. So each with each lair or each villain, you also have these special events as well. And for their story, again, massive spoilers here. So they were in poverty; they weren't doing very well, and so they sold the soul of their eldest son, who uh, became a sort of uh, a chain devil that is locked up in the attic which is fucking terrifying. Uh, but also the two younger children will lose their souls uh, as soon as they turn nine, which is just a ten a day away uh, at this point. And so in order to to stop this happening, because they realise what a terrible mistake it is, they're going to sacrifice uh, not only all this money if they can get it, but 99 souls. And so they host this big fuck-off party at their house and uh, plan do a mass poisoning. Oh, I okay. want to play that! That is fun. Oh, it's so good. And that's so much fun. Everyone dying. Yeah. Because it's it's so evil. It's that misguided, like, I have fucked up and I need to correct this. Yeah. And you're like, 
yeah, you fuck you. That would be your fucking up even and it, more. And actually, I like playing Amelia was like a really great character because you. Re- I made it that um, Orland, her husband, husband, yeah, is the one who's just like doesn't really agree with the whole plan at all. She's brought this like she's the one that's going to like no. I'm going to you know I'm forcing this upon you. You cannot. I'm not. You're not gonna. You're not gonna fuck this up for us. Yeah, we're gonna. This is how I kind of played them. The sort of. What was the program at the time? What's his name? The not very nice person now. Kevin Spacey movie. House oh, of Cards. House of Cards. So are you doing yeah, lots of things with your of, hands? Though? House of Cards. House of Cards. That sort of like power couple. But yes. one of them, but I made it that the sort of husband's given up and doesn't want to. And so like use them as a bit of a, a way in if they wanted to. Like yeah. allow that sort of like weaker half, but maybe the actual one that's got a bit more of a conscience mm. in it. That could easily change because they're very loyal to each other in the book. But you could yeah. you could make it so the characters are like begging, like or at the end, just sort of try and convince the yeah. husband to do something. Yeah, I'd love that. Where you have a flawed character that sort of changed yeah. at the last one, and you're like, ah, growth, growth, growth. Ah, yes, character development. Exactly. You know. Yeah, I think if I was going to run Dragon Heist, I know me the DM would love to have it with the Castellanters because it's just because I find this, I always find the stories really interesting. But mm. I don't know. Again, maybe it's just me doubting my own ability. If the players would find it interesting. Yeah. I think players would find it interesting, yeah, but compared to like so. silly japes with Xanathar and like, oh, that darn Jarlaxle who's kidded us again. Oh, yeah. we knew it. You know, those, I guess they're more fun, maybe more tropey that they can get into quicker. I don't know. I just, yeah, because I, I just haven't seen any actual plays that use Castellanders. Obviously, I know you spoke about them, but yeah. like the High Rollers one mm. focused a lot on Jarlaxle. Uh, yeah, I know that. But yes, no, I think so. And I think because it is very tragic. You got to deal with some serious stuff there, and really it's serious. Be, and I think if you could run this into Avernus, if you wanted to go down that route, because mm. it leads quite nicely into that, and maybe there's some sort of offset of like one of your crew is taken, and they become the one you're going into Avernus to get, or something Ooh, like that. Maybe yeah, like, you swap at the last minute, and it's somebody else. Yeah, you know that could be an interesting way. Damn. Um, yeah. Personally, I, I like the campy, over-the-top craziness of it, and that's why I chucked everything at it. I felt yeah. I needed the Xanathar. In, yeah. I wanted everyone to interact with everyone, and yeah. I was happy. we were expecting this to be a very long campaign. It did last for over a year, so it was mm. a long campaign, and we only just got to the vault then, and that's after being to, as I said, pretty much everyone, and doing side quests, and including the cult dragons as another antagonist in there as well. That never yeah. really, they, that were just sort of in the by the by. It feels very much like this Dragon Heist sort of adventure feels the most like a Skyrim or any open world video game I've ever come across compared to other ones. And I know I know there's a video game of Curse of Strahd, you know, like or has that setting. But Curse of Strahd doesn't feel like like I said, it feels like there's some set pieces that you do. There's mm. there's optional side stuff but add to this. Whereas this is like Here's a, a random NPC that interacts and they'll have some information, but it's not essential to the story and you could miss them. Yeah, I just thought there was so much to it that I myself would really yeah. enjoy playing through. But here's a question for you. So when you got them to the end of the ball, were they level five then? Or did they, were they a higher level? A little bit higher. And so I just upped the, I upped yeah. the things that they were against. But also, it yeah. had become so much like this sort of like, as I was saying to you there, and you just picked up, like, was like Skyrim, but they started to just this became the main storyline that no one plays through because you've gone and done the wizard school bit and like, oh you don't know Skyrim but this that's a really yeah. great storyline and they'd done loads of different storylines that were like leading off into other things so yeah they they were a bit higher but it, there is a dragon at the end by the way <laughs> and so yeah. I didn't really mind if they were high level and the actual play that I, I yeah. the high rollers actually play a bit is in 
incredible. It is, it is, it is what got me into mm. actual plays. It was the first one I ever listened to. And because I was, that's how I found it. I was going to run this. I should look at an actual play, found it, you know, you could see people making it. Mm. That's how I got into watching them. Story continues from there. And they had lots of hangers on and people, they got involved in it, it to help boost their mm. power. And there's a really interesting, they've got a great ending for it. And it can go all wrong. I had it that they were at gunpoint of the Amelia. That's how they were being let. Amelia had them at, you know, one point, if you know what I mean, to get us in here. Yeah, yeah. She'd lost everyone now. She had no friends anymore. So she was like, you are my party. But the only way I'm going to have a party is by forcing you to do all the fighting for me. Do the fighting, get the keys for the vault, that all that it. sort of you thing. Get, you, yeah, so they were working for other people and I had it that the plan is they were working with Jarl Axel. They had got note to Jarl Axel that they're going and the last battle, they turn up to sort of help that battle because you've got a dragon, you've got Amelia and they could then try and turn on her. But they, she's. I made a super powerful, I made her, I used... Um, yeah. I used really high stats for her. Yeah, she is quite powerful in in the book as well. But that's so that's the thing. I wondered to myself because exactly the same reason. So like Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. I love that video game. As soon as I got out of the training level, I went and explored yeah. the entire map. I yeah. did all the side quests. I did everything. I came back and I steamrolled the main campaign. And it's just like I, that's why I'm just a bit like it's this like level one to five. But then I thought because people, I mean, they're always like, oh, when are we leveling up? Which I know is like a jokey sort of thing. But you know, if they've done lots of shit. I want to give them cool stuff. I want to give them, you know, they've been with me and they've done all the things. And like, oh yeah, you're only level five going into the vault. That feels a little bit unfair, I think, because there's so much stuff that you could even just do the main campaign and yeah, okay, that's fine. You can get to level five. But if you've done extra bits and pieces, like if you've done, like if you joined a faction and every time uh, you find something, they're like, oh, by the way, here's another mission for you to do and you complete it. Why wouldn't you give them like an extra magic item or an NPC that could help? Yeah. I was wondering whether this book could be like one to ten. You know, like because I feel one to five kind of puts people off, perhaps because it's like oh, it's a low level adventure, and I don't think it is. I think you could easily yeah. scale it up so you start already at level three. I mean, I know that's where we were most excited about, but you could start at level five, go all the way up to level fifteen, and just like you said, just scale up the encounters a little bit yeah. more. Uh, that's, I think that's the one thing I thought was missing. I just thought. So I think that's why maybe I dismissed it at first because I thought, oh, it's a low level thing and it's heist, and it's like well, it's not heist, and I don't think it's low level. Yeah, and it doesn't really it doesn't really tell you how to, oh, uh, give not give you permission, not that you need permission, but like, hey, if you've got higher levels, just go for it. It doesn't really say that. It just says at the end, oh, you should. Uh, we'll have completed this. They get up to level three, and I'm like, but they've done so much fucking stuff. <laughs> like, and I, I think when I was talking to you about it and the way that it became for me, like I think it's amazing for a first-time DM to, to use. I would recommend it to mm. any first-time DM because of the of all the other reasons we talked about. But in this one particularly, it is that sandbox. And there is so much stuff out there. There's uh, I've, got a rec- I've got to recommend Leverage Waterdeep, which is a really good supplement on DM skill as well, where they've got four, you can buy it as a bundle, where they've got, for things to deal like little side quests for you to do to help build up the troll skull manor and it's a really nice way and it gives you loads of things about counters for water deep things to do in water deep i put in a whole other storyline that i mixed in a bit with that one about this chemist who was doing like weird things and that is, so then that, mm-hmm. that just led into a whole thread of little things and as i said i had the map up with the little like i took the font they have in gta and put the little uh initials like you have in gta yeah yeah i just think you're completely right one to ten yeah, there's a few things in this. I feel that speaks just to the way wizards approach this compared to the way TSR and the olden days used to approach it. Which is like, if I was going to start this again, I would say, here is a war steep. Here's all this lovely lore information. Great. 
here is one set of adventure you can use that I we suggest you parcel up in and amongst loads of other things that we're going to give you in separate supplements every six months or every three months there's going to be a new supplement yeah if you're now on this D beyond subscription service that we'll have now you can say i'm going to sign up for the water teeth campaign and i've paid 60 quid or i'm going to pay the five pound a month for the water teeth campaign continuing <laughs> or you could just fit in your own ones as you like but these are like when you get to level four now the fireball happens allow that time to pass you know I did that in mine and it worked quite kind of well because it's kind of like it's going to change hands. The Sunder Glow goes to someone else. They're going to lose it. It's going to move about. The scent goes cold, you know. Someone's hoarding it for someone mm. else. Allow things to happen and suddenly this fireball happens. Oh, the story's back again. Now we're level five. And then let it go again and, and come back to it. Have almost like uh, main campaign events like, yeah, dotted throughout rather than like following. Yeah, I like that as well. And that's free up a new DM who's not confident to give everything a go. I've always got this fallback position of the main storyline. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you know what? I haven't prepped enough for this separate thing. I can do this today. I can't remember if uh, the Xanathar's Guide everything came out before this book or was after, but it def- there's definitely bits of it where you're like, okay, the downtime. Hey, Trollskull Manor needs uh, upgrading, and and you've got this these events happening. So, like in the primer, I'm always going to go back to it. It has a list of all the different holidays that has, and you could include those in. Some of them are referenced as well as some special events that can do you uh, a lot of good. And like, hey, lots of money, or oh, you've got lots of repairs because too many people came in and health and safety and blah blah blah. And I was like, it just it feels so. It almost feels like very yeah. relatable <laughs> in a sense, and I quite like. Again, all the descriptions of the NPCs were really good as well. Even the ones that, you know, just visit in to collect uh, guild dues and stuff like that. But the one that sort of struck me, which is quite a central part in the main storyline at the beginning, are these nimble rites. Yeah. These sort of like cool-ass piratey type things, but completely clockwork, with no emotion in their face. Like very much like an artificer's thing gone wrong. And there's a whole little storyline about a nimble rite that is sort of uh, is hiding out at a temple. And it's a bit lonely, so he tries to make a friend who then runs away and is mm. the reason why this fireball's happened uh, on behalf of the Castle Hunters. And it's just like, oh, this is just, there's a lot here. I wish there was a little bit more lore about it, because I don't know, I think Nimble Rites are like, just been introduced into this one. Yeah. There's also like random, like, there's a mind flayer mm-hmm. that has like an, an intellect devourer as a pet. And then some of the other NPCs that you see around the Yawning Portal, which is obviously the tavern where you start in, has some like, it's like, who here is a doppelganger? Who here yeah. is a mimic? Who here is a, a person with a secret past? Because they're all adventurers and stuff. But there's one guy who, again, forgive me, I cannot remember the name, whose brain has been eaten. And he is like a, a really lovely guy. He's like, I'll help you. But he's like a, I think he's a Xanathar spy or something like that. Because he's completely controlled by this intellect devourer, I think. I can't, I'll have to look him up now. Well, but... You know that Yawning Portal picture? Mm. Yes. You know who's in there, don't you? Is it Matthew Mercer? Yeah, Matthew Mercer is one. Arkan the Cruel, who is... Uh, oh, I know, yeah, he's yeah. just, uh, just drinking drinking on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm just like, I, I don't know, I feel this is like clearly influenced by their friends from, you know, James Hick worked on um, the Explorer's Guide to... Not Explorer's Guide to Wild the other one. Tadori campaign setting yeah. and, yeah, Explorer's Guide to Wild Yeah, they both worked on those. So obviously like a, a relationship with both, you know, Matt Mercer and I forgot his name. It's gone right Oh, oh no, don't do this to me. Um, he's got a big chest. Yeah, he's the big guy. Uh, David? No. No. Uh, Why have you done this? I don't know. Something. Anyway, oh. that guy. That guy. 
it'll come to us like in half an hour time. I feel like this feels like the most actual play, interactive, that sort of experience. Crossover, even. Crossover yeah. stuff, but that sort of style of game that you enjoy seeing people presenting like in in that sort of like entertaining factor. Like really this modern... Joe Mangela. Joe Mangela. Joe Mangela. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, it's something. Anyway, yeah. apologies. <laughs> and so that like, I think that's like the, that's what it feels like. And that like linked to all these, like the names. And I said about you, the people you get to meet in this, like, you read the list of people here. You've got on this list, Dritzter Woden. You've got Castellantas. You've got Bad- Badra Safar. You've got Neverember, Lariel Silverhand, Mordenkainen, um, mm-hmm. Manchun, Nameless Wonder. Yeah, exactly. Minsk and Boo are in, are in here. Bolo. Black Viper, who's in this as well. It really feels like a love letter to D&D, mm. a love letter to like old school entertainment. And it just sort of feels like a, like Curse of Strahd took something from the past and brought it back again new. I feel like yeah. this brought everything from the past in a very small way and gave it to you. And it, and it felt like they could do more of that. It's an original thing, I yeah. guess, because that's the thing with the Curse of Strahd. Like, obviously, it's yeah. Raven laughed. They've already done that adventure a little bit, so it's tweaking and updating it. This feels very new. I'm happy for them to do all these other games. I'm not saying that I don't think the other ones have as much merit, because I think they definitely do. I think this is the first time I've read an adventure and I've been very excited in a while. Like, I've always, like, when we did, like, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, I thought this was interesting. I like the idea yeah. of going into the Feywild. I've had a look at Dragonlands and I was like, that's really interesting because obviously we've got war type things. But this is like, oh, I've never really considered like, you know, because I don't do urban settings. I, you know, I do big adventures myself. You know, I go from place to place to place. I never really stop and think about like, what if you are in one place? And yep. they've done it so well. Uh, you're never bored. You're never, you know, you have to have that talk with the players going, hey, there's not going to be much greenery perhaps, but there's lots of things to do. So what can we do to make yep. sure your characters are, are accommodated for it? I guess my only other sort of like mm, about it is that the thing that follows on from Dragon Heist is, of course, uh, Undermountain, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. What a second sequel to anything ever. <laughs> it does feel like, why? At the end, whatever you do, whether you succeed or fail, you get a note saying Undermountain awaits or the Dungeon yeah. of the Mad Mage awaits, meet you in the Yawning Portal. And I'm like, no, I've, I've got a business. I've done yeah. all this stuff. Not going on a mega dungeon that you just let set me up with urban key adventures. I wish they had like maybe I th- I think it's like well we need to double pack them in some way or something like that because oh there's a theme so therefore we could put it together of water deep because uh, there are bits of it obviously like okay Xanathar's lair is down by Skullport okay yeah sure we could you know, include it there yeah. or there's one of the NPCs' partners that goes missing in the Undermountain okay great that could be a thing but I was just like they're so different like I've read. Dungeon of the Mad Mage. It, it's very different. I started reading it and got so bored and I was like, it's so not my kind of game. I don't want to do a 10, is it 10 levels? Is it 5 oh, levels? 20. 20 level dungeons. It's, it's a lot of levels. One of them's in space, you know, some of them you can't yeah. get to. And it's just like, I get it. I would not use Waterdeep Dragon Heist as a starting off point. Though. No, 100% because you've got, you. I think like, you? you want, no, and that's why I felt like Rise of Tiamat feels like a good one because that leads you from political intrigue to being a po- like important people. You would have got to know all these people. And it's like, Dwarf of the Dragon Queen sets you up in that one to become the people in Rise of Tiamat who are so important enough that they're going to join you. But I think you can have all that stuff happening in the background, go into Rise of Tiamat because that leads you into like a bit more of a grander epic. Yeah. I think this is such a good build to your own campaign, to getting yourself yeah. into homebrewing. Mm-hmm. But as wizards, I'd be like, why is there not? 
Baldur's Gate adventure in a city. Like, why is there not another city-based adventure that would be so much more... Yeah. Why do we always have to go underground? I know it's Dungeons and Dragons, but they above ground. Well, I mean, technically, Baldur's Gate descent into Avernus, but as you're right, they go underground. They go, they go underground. straight into hell. And apparently there isn't that much in Baldur's Gate anyway. Very. I've not read it through much myself, but I've got a friend that's playing it through and they've gone, yeah, I'm just changing most of it because um, I kind of like Baldur's Gate. And so, yeah. yeah, I do wish there was more stuff like city guides yeah or, or like stuff like that especially if you've got you know neverwinter is there not a neverwinter one i mean there must be one right because it's that is a fascinating town well, there is in the old ones but it just yeah isn't, like really I don't know. boggles my mind <laughs> i just i just keep looking at what they're putting out and i think it's it's good okay it's... yeah I, i've never had any complaints really i've never gone no oh, well that's a waste of time i've always found something interesting in that. Yeah. i will say that yeah but i just don't understand why they're like we looked at that Minsk and Booze book and we fell in love so with it good. so we keep yeah. going back to it and it's just like all it is is just cities people want to go to cities they want to be above ground we don't want to spend our free time <laughs> in the dark a gloomy waste of Barovia okay only the weirdos want to do that like hello yeah. no, I mean I'm joking but I mean out like out of the abyss going into the underdark yeah. I'm not one of, I, I like the concept of uh, yeah. out of the abyss but I don't want to be in the underdark for fucking ages because it's miserable you yeah know? exactly I want and it, it's I just think there should be this offering I think it's an offering that's just not I just find it weird I find it weird but because the older editions of D&D there is Volo's Guide to the North Volo's Guide to the South Volo's Guide to here here is a bucket load of stuff that's going to happen here, here, and here. And I'm going to go back on my rant that they're putting on the community to do these things, which is fine. But why are people to make this? I don't think we know what people want. Because they're always like, we want an updated spell jammer. We want a planescape, you know, which is all great. But I do think like, oh, they could really make a killing with doing like Waterdeep Dragon Heist is the first in a trilogy of books. Next one is going to be all about Baldur's Gate. The third one's going to be about Neverwinter. And other cities have, you know, do a three-part, sixty-page booklet on three cities with one adventure that gets you from level one to ten. Get both the Jameses back. Get yes. them to figure out this. Use their amazing system they made for this, and say, "Here's four cities, right? You can run this in four cities with four different, mm -hmm. like, here's four different adventures. You can flip these cities around and do mm -hmm. like a city-spanning like adventure." Mm -hmm. Gets you integrated into Baldur's Gate, Luskin, Neverwinter, and Ooh, Luskin, and of course, yes. Luskin's amazing. And I mean, Luskin, it's literally the home of the pirates. Like, why yeah. the heck would you not go there? You've got the host tower with its like awesome, weird mages who are like fighting for power. You've got the pirate kings and queens who think they rule the city, but don't mm. because the actual arcane brotherhood do up in the in their host tower. And it's like. It's so cool. It's got two ports, one that's yeah. sort of like the where all the sort of like pirates go to and one where it's all a bit more above board. You've mm. got John Axel there. You've got... I maybe know. maybe they think that like Ghost Marsh, uh, or Salt Marsh, sorry, is is the equivalent. Yeah, I know you... <laughs> oh, viewers, you can't believe what Hamilton just did. Oh, but yeah, it, go, Salt Marsh is all right. It's a really interesting small town. But if you want something like as good as Dragon Heist... Yeah, we want we want bigger cities. We want urban. I think after the pandemic, I'm very happy to go on a weekend break. <laughs> Going to say this now, right? What is the biggest selling game of all time? Video game? Uh, well, I'd say Skyrim, but I don't. Grand Theft Auto, right? Oh yeah, that's where's that set? Where's the set? Huge, huge big city. Yeah, what are the what are people like doing? Playing that fucking game? Have they had an online version of that game for years? Do people like open world role playing games on video games? Is it one of the biggest? 
buyers, sellers of yeah. things? Do people play Skyrim for hours? Yeah. Skyrim, I love the dungeon delving. It's great. But one of the funnest things to do is to break into people's houses and steal things whilst they're looking at you. <laughs> you know, and eat stealing all those wheels of cheese. People love, I mean, literally, the, the facts are there, wizards. Facts are there. Look at Rockstar and freaking copy paste into a game like you've done once really well and do it again. Uh, yeah, uh, Wizards of the Coast, please make Grand Theft Auto Neverwinter, please. I, th- I just think it's uh, one of the, it's like a, a, they've made it once and I feel like they just left it on the shelf. I completely changed my mind on it. Again, uh, maybe it's just me. I was like, no, oh, heist again. I was like, I wasn't, I went in with very low expectations, so I've been blown away by it. And I think, I think it's got great structure. I think all the things are customizable. And there's so much that you could spend, I think you could spend years, yeah. really, like going through bits and pieces that like you wouldn't need to go anywhere else. You play this adventure and then you could replay it. I, I mean, I'm not a person that likes replaying stuff unless, uh, you know, there's something extra to it, which you can do with the Forgotten Tales thing. But I think like, I'd be like, okay, we now know Waterdeep very well. Give me a month or two and I'll come up with something else which will involve the mass lords. It will, you know, we'll go bigger. You might have to go to Netherwinter, etc. And just, yeah, just something about the setting. I was like instantly really interested. And maybe it's just the way it's been laid out for us, whether it is that structure or with the primer, I thought was really well written. Even for me, I was like, oh, I've read it all through in in one sitting. I have lots of interesting bits and pieces I can take away. And it just felt very relatable, the city. It felt, I mean, maybe it's just the way the Americans see like, European and UK cities, but I definitely was like, oh, it feels a bit like a mixture of Victorian yeah. London, a bit of Euro- European cities. And I was like, I'm sure I could just go out to Greenwich and this would be Waterdeep, you know? <laughs> yeah, mixed with New York because it's kind of got that sort of grid-like structure. And, 100%, yeah. And the artwork is sunshine and people outside and like life. And there's something kind of lovely about that juxtaposition. And again, like going back to actual place, I guess, I think it's an example of what people enjoy and like entertainment-wise. A lot of the time in season what campaign season one, they're going from city to city. Do you know what I mean? They're going from city to city. And mm-hmm. then they go on a big dungeon crawl for a bit. And then it gets a bit boring after like episode six where they're in the bloody underground. Yeah. Like, but then they always come back to a city and there's this hub world and there's these people. And I'm just I'm kind of surprised by the lack of that response to like, where's your hub? Where's your home? Where's your like mm. settlement? Because even if you're not always in Waterdeep, I took them to Sigil from here. I took them out into the into just the farmland outside. Uh, we were planning to go up to Luskin to do something with John Azzle, but it never happened, you know, and I was reading all the, I was buying all the Volos guides to everywhere else from the old things. Oh. Definitely get yourself down to your local DMs guild online and buy yourself a load of those if you are interested in this sort of adventure mm. and getting those guides to places. They're going to just give you the lore and all these things. It will just give you 50 billion different ideas that you could run with. If you love this mm. this style of game, take this one buy those at the same yeah. time or buy any of the other great things that are on Dean's Guild around it and make it your own. And if you want this to be this like city-spanning, world-spanning event, do it. I, I just wanted to end up, end up saying like, if you're like, oh, this all sounds really great, guys, but I don't want anything to do with D&D. Uh, I'm all done. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But if you were interested in doing like a, a city, like an urban setting, one I wanted to recommend because my friend Rob came on this podcast to talk about it was Tolus by Monty Cook. And Tolus was um, his sort of, I think it's like a seven-year arcing campaign of his own stuff. And it was basically created as like, we're going to test every fucking thing for all the players. And he had players like Chris Perkins and all that something that, that ran all these adventures. And you can get Tolus now. It's still it's still $90, uh, but it is, it is a thick book uh, with lots of handouts, uh, lots of lots of little pieces. And it, it's a very interesting read. I'd, I'd highly recommend it if you haven't checked out the episode, recommend listening to that. Uh, but check out the the PDF perhaps as well because there's a lot to it. 
But it was just like, if you were looking for a city thing and you were like, I, but I don't want to support Wizards or D&D, that's totally fine. I recommend Tolus as well because it was developed in a similar thing and there's a lot to it. I will say it's got tiny, tiny writing and uh, my eyes could not deal with it myself. Uh, but there's lots of helpful sidebars which we were saying like, you could also do this and you could also do that. Yeah, I think on the whole, I really enjoyed Waterdeep Dragon Heist. I thought the writing was really good and I just, yeah, I think. Again, if that's something going, would I run it now? Hmm. And it's really difficult because I'm about to gear up to do a Curse of Strahd campaign. So I can't be like, yes. But there's definitely elements of it where I feel more confident yeah. and more willing to run an urban adventure for sure. Like I don't think I would have done that before without reading this. Oh, yeah. And I think this is the ultimate version of that in, in the current existence of D&D. And I'm trying to go, I'm trying to look at some other ones I've got, but I, I'm not seeing, you know, I think the Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, that is clearly, the way that is mm. run is, is it's about above ground fighting. You know, there's not dungeon crawling. It's about very much about the political intrigue of all the different peoples and players within the world. And it's very much always seemingly like a, an above ground adventure, like a, you know, it's an urban adventure rings mm. like system. You will then go out into like other things, but it's all about being in like the, you, you might go to the dwarven kingdoms and, and and all those sorts of things which is again urban just it happens to be underground again you're gonna to have to pronounce it for me but the starter set that we've looked at very recently uh i can't remember the city that ubrasic ubrasic yeah yeah that is very detailed for what you get mm. in the starter set as well so again yeah. having a look at that as a inspiration but hamilton uh where can we find you on the internet if you wish to be found any exciting things happening uh what's going on with you maybe where's this coming out this is going to come out after MCM. Okay, so you could have seen me at MCM. Yeah. If you, will it be the week between MCM and UK Games Expo? Uh... All right, so you could have seen me at week UK Games Expo as well. Uh, what else am I going to be doing? I will, though, the week after UK Games Expo, mm -hmm. will be in for two episodes playing in Soulbound with actual Play Ooh. Streamers UK. I think I've said that right. Yep. I'm terrible with names. We're so professional and prepared on this podcast. And so I will be playing uh, in that, uh, Soulbound. Uh, it's an Age of Sigma role-playing game by Cube 7 So I mean, you may hear us at some point talking about Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. And so it's got a similar system to that. Mm -hmm. It's basically Planescape meets Warhammer. That's what it is. Yep. It's like your two favorite things just now, and you're in the center with this game. Also, if you want to follow my Warhammer YouTube channel, Hazard Stripes, I am yeah. over 100 yeah. subscribers now. Congratulations. Uh, and uh, it, having some lovely feedback. I've had one gatekeeper. Oh, <laughs> and that's, boo, boo. I just ignored that person. Yeah. But anyway, there we are. Well, there we are. Come and, I'm talking about Necromunda, which is my favorite game in the Warhammer world. Yay. And what about you? What? No, sorry. We should do this properly. I haven't done this properly in a while. <clears throat> How are you? Who are you? When are you? Why are you? Where? <laughs> I am so glad you asked. <laughs> Who am I? My name is Fiona. Uh, what? what am I? I am a human being, podcaster, voiceover person, uh, mm -hmm. and a whole load of other things. When am I? I it is uh, sometime in May. Uh, Mid-May before, uh, you know, we're recording in the past, which is coming out in the future for present. Uh, why are you? Uh, why am I? Oh, I mean, God, I could, I need therapy for that if I <laughs> talk about why I am. Where am I? I am so glad you asked again. So uh, where, what am I rolling? It's a twice monthly RPG podcast, uh, which is coming out uh, every 
I said it's fortnightly. Yes, that's right. Um, and we've got that's the word. <laughs> that's the word. God, words are a uh, commodity these days. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. We're doing all right. Got some bits and pieces. Uh, coming out. We've got a game. What will come out just now? Will be. Uh, Beyond the Neighbourhood with our wonderful friends, the Backwater Bastards, is coming out. Uh, or it will be out by this point, which is a wonderful game. Basically, if you think of your Saturday morning cartoons and then the Backwater Bastards and myself in it, it's a, it's a crazy time. I mean, that sounds pretty amazing to me. Great. Well, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Done. We've got there. <laughs> we did it. Well, we did it. until next time, folks, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on, on the, the flip, flip side. side. Ha, ha, ha.